right. Well, good morning. Morning. My name is Amber Carroll, and I am one of the pastors here at the church. It is good to be together today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, hello and welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, we are. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. Need that. Um, so, as a as a church, we have a vision that we believe God put into our into our hearts, and it is that we are a place where people can come to be known, to belong, and to be loved, to know and be known by God, to belong to a community no matter how messy your life is, and to be loved, to be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go. And so it is good to be together today and that we can um, learn more about God who loves us and created us and called us into something bigger and better than we can ever hope for or imagine on our own. Uh, when you walked in the door, I hope that you got a bulletin. We ask that you pick this up each and every week. There's a connect card on the bottom, which you can tear off and drop in the offering basket when it comes by after the message today. On the back, there's a place for you to give us your prayers so we can pray with you, celebrate life together, and we take that very seriously. We consider that an honor, so please uh, fill that out and turn that in. There's also information about upcoming events that you'll want to um, to pay attention to. I want to give a, a, a shout out and a thank you to a, a, a group of individuals. I think there were nine gentlemen who were out here this morning clearing the parking lot and paving the way for us to get here. Um, if you helped with that, would you stand? Oh, come on, just stand up. Thank you. Thank you. And I also want to say that we do Facebook Live every Sunday, so the people who are not with us this morning because they were nervous about getting out into the elements can follow along on our Facebook channel on our live stream. I know that my mom watches, gotta love moms, um, so she'll watch all the way from Florida today. Um, so yes, yeah, so you'll need the bulletin, make sure you grab that. A couple things going on that I want to highlight, we have a... An, Empty Nester group, uh, actually a boomer and beyond group, it's called Crescendo, and we met uh, last Tuesday, and we're meeting again this Tuesday at 7 o'clock here, and so if you are interested in learning more about that, I would invite you to join if you are a part of that age group. Um, you're invited to join us for that. Uh, we have a really exciting ministry here that you might have heard of uh, before. It's called Financial Peace University, and that is going to kick off again in March, uh, March 25th. And we think rather than showing you a video that they have created to um, entice you to join in FPU, which by the way is an amazing ministry, um, we have asked um, some friends to come forward to share their story the was, and um, Jenny's really excited about coming forward and speaking. Um, but if you want to come up here, and people can see you better. So we've taken FPU. This will be our third time, and the first time was in 2016. And since then, we've paid off a total of $55,000 in debt. And in Basically, FPU just gives you the tools and the resources and steps you need to pay off debt and how to stay out of debt, and it tells you about the type of insurance you need and the type of insurance you don't need, and just teaches you how to save money for college and get ready for retirement and all that fun stuff. Um, you want to say anything? Sure. <laughs> um, 
we're multi-takers because the first time we took it, um, we were expecting Abby, so obviously our life was about to change. And um, the second time we took it, I was like, how are we going to raise her? <laughs> um, now we have a college fund for her and um, a good, strong marriage because it does do a lot about communication. So if that's an area you're working on. <laughs> anyway, it's just uh, good accountability and motivation to keep you going. So hope to see you there. Thank you so much. And you guys are going to be helping to lead that, is that correct? Awesome. So if people have questions, they can come find you. Awesome. Great. Well, would you join me in a word of prayer before we get continue in our worship? God, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for the lives represented in this room today. Uh, we know that we walk in this place with... Um, our own individual baggage, our own struggles, our own joys. And uh, God, I just ask that you give us the opportunity to focus and to hear what you have to say to each and every one of us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Amen. Amen. Well, we are kicking off a message. Amen. So I heard, yes. Feel free to follow that. So today, like, if you're like, this is good, amen, you can do it. It's cool. It's great. We can follow in the footsteps of our young ones. We're kicking off a message series entitled, I Don't Know What I Believe. I Don't Know What I Believe. And uh, you might have heard us say, if you've been here in any length of time, and uh, we didn't really come up with this, but um, the most important thing about a person is what they believe about God. The most important thing about a person is what they believe about God, because from our beliefs about God, from our understanding of the nature and character of God, shapes who we become. It shapes how we treat people, how we live our lives, how we spend our resources, and as we grow and mature in the faith and our knowledge and our understanding about God, we will no doubt become transformed. And what I want to say here this morning is that if you are on the fringes, like if you haven't quite fully bought into God because of whatever has gone on in your life or you're in a state where you are questioning or are, are not quite sure what you believe, I'm just asking you um, to just be here present today to do your very best to get rid of the distractions that get in and cloud our brain from hearing what it is that God wants to say to us today. You know, as we just saw in the, that short little video, all the bumper stickers, um, we are living in a world where there are all kinds of truths that, are tried to, that people try to tell us. Uh, we call this a post-Christendom world where you can't just assume that someone you meet on the street knows who God is or knows who Jesus is or has met a Christian that they actually like, right? We, don't, we can't just assume that everybody understands what they believe or that they believe the same thing that we believe. And the church has to be a place where we can come and learn the truth. Now, more than ever, with information at our fingertips and so many messages that are opposing to what Jesus taught us. We need to know what we believe. So over the next six weeks or so, we're going to dive into this, I don't know what I believe, 
And I pray that we come out with a stronger understanding of that. We're going to look at questions about salvation and suffering and some big words like sanctification, which just mean holiness. And so I'm, I'm really, really, really excited. I'm really glad that you are here. But we are going to base this, uh, this series on 2 Timothy 1, verses 9 through 14. And if you brought your Bible, now would be a good time to bring, uh, pull it out. And 2 Timothy is going to be toward the back of the New Testament. And so actually, I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, standing, with, uh, standing up. And we are going to re- we're going to read this together, I think. It'll be on the screen. So let's read 2 Timothy uh, 1, verses 9 through 14. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything. Is it okay if I cry? Seriously? Okay. Dear Lord, okay. Okay, let's start over. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen. You can be seated. So we're going to look at that over the next several weeks. We're going to break it up into chunks. And if you are feeling ambitious, it might be a great time for you to possibly memorize some scripture and, uh, and learn that along with us. So 2 Timothy, a little background here. 2 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who was his protege, his apprentice in the faith. And 2 Timothy, uh, Paul uh, wrote from a prison cell. And if you're, not, if you're not familiar with who the Apostle Paul w- uh, was, he started out as somebody who led the charge on persecuting Christians. I mean, he had a front row seat to the very first stoning of a Christian, the first martyr, is Stephen. He was right there. And uh, they were afraid of uh, Paul at the time. His name was Saul. And he had this first, first uh, he, was, he was one of the scariest uh, people of the people following the way. Until one day, he had an encounter with Jesus, and an encounter which left him blinded for several days, and after that encounter, Saul became Paul. He got a new name, and he got a new mission. He no longer was persecuting Christians. He was a Christian because of this unbelievable encounter that he had with Jesus, and he got this new purpose in life. He understood for the first time that he was made for more. And that he was called to something bigger. 
And Paul had, before that moment, had dedicated his life. He knew everything. He knew the Torah. He knew the law. He knew how things were supposed to be. He had it figured out so much so that he wanted to persecute people who were doing anything to oppose the law. And then one experience with Jesus wrecked his life for the better. And then he was the one commissioned to go and be the uh, apostle to the Gentiles, to those who have never had access to, to Jesus. And so we look at, we're going to look at Paul's life over the next several weeks. And one thing about Paul is what, what you'll learn as we, as we go through this is that he did not have it easy. So we say Paul was the bearer of good news. He brought good news, and people did not receive it as good news. And you'll see he was flogged, and he was beaten, and he was shipwrecked. I mean, he had trial after trial after trial. And even in this letter, this encouraging, amazing letter that we get to have access to, he isn't writing at the height of, like, his blessing. Like, he just preached this sermon, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus. He is chained in a prison cell. And this is the second time, like, it's been, he's been doing this for, like, 10 years or something, and he is, like, chained up. He has no idea what's about to happen to him, right? I mean, he's in jail, and he's, he's, he's like, full of encouragement, and he's not, woe is me, woe is me. He still has his passion to follow God and follow Jesus. What, what is this whole thing he's given his life to? And you read that, and you're like, well, I want a faith like that. How do I get a faith like that? I turned 40 this year, and um, I was a little nervous about turning 40, uh, but the truth is I don't mind being 40. Uh, John works with uh, students at Friends University, 20 kids in their 20s just graduating, and we were just talking the other day on how, um, if you're in your 20s, I'm no offense to this, but we would never go back to our 20s if we had our choice, because the 20s are hard. You're trying to figure life out. You're trying to decide who, who you are or who you're going to be. And so at 40, I have a little bit of life under my belt. And I know I, have, I hope I have more life to go. Um, but, but I do like that. I like the wisdom that I've gained over the years. And, um, and I think as you grow and you follow Jesus closer, you can see where God works in all of the ebbs and flows of life. You know, when, when, we're, when we grow up in the church, if you grow up in the church, sometimes, depending on the church you go to, um, you can respond if you know this. You hear, God is good, and all the time, God is good. We repeat that. And, and um, when we go through life and we walk with people, the longer we do that, sometimes it's hard to explain how God is actually good. Right? I mean... We can, we can say God is good and all the time God is good, but when you're sitting in a courtroom next to your mom after the dad you've known for 21 years has walked out and the judge has ruled in his favor and your mom did everything in her power to save the marriage and there's nothing you can do, but yet God is still good. Or when you're in the hospital room with your cousin when the doctor comes in and turns the ventilator off of her seven-year-old daughter. And you still say, but God is good. You know, you walk alongside people long enough and in hard times and you try to tell them, how do they know God is good? 
In a series like this, I don't know what I believe. It's not a, a proposition or something that we're just trying to tell. I think it's more like a confession. Like, I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I believe. And that's a little opposite, because when I grew up in, when I was growing up in, in school, um, I've heard the word apologetics. It's how we learn how to defend our faith and, and teach the truth into people and argue your way into people's hearts for Jesus. And somehow we're, we're taught the more we know about God, then somehow the closer we'll be to God. We know all of these rules, and, and uh, we can explain away God. You know the number one reason people will, are hesitant to start a small group or lead a, a Sunday school class or anything? It's because they say, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about God. And I pray that as we, as we dive in this and we look at this and each, each time that we come together, that we will know that it's not about having all the answers. You know, I don't know fully what I believe about all of these things, about suffering, about why these things happen this way. But Paul said in verse 12, he says, because all that I know in whom I have believed. I don't know what I believe, I know whom I have believed. And there is a difference here. You know, as you continue to grow, we're going to be faced with life circumstances that don't line up with what you know about God or what you think you know about God. A family loses a child. A tornado touches down and wipes out a town. An earthquake hits Haiti for the second time. This impoverished place. There's racial injustice. You've worked hard for this goal in life, and it just doesn't go the way that you plan. And even though you're faithful, right? You've, you've, you're four months behind on your mortgage, and yet you're doing everything you can, and you can't quite tell your spouse that you, you haven't made those payments. And you're God. You're the God who provides, and why aren't you providing? I'm doing everything right. But yet God is still good. I believe that we need a faith, I need a faith, that will work out even when we don't know the answer. We need a faith that will show the way of God even when the answers aren't clear. There's a pastor in Georgia, his name is Stephen Furtick. He leads Elevation Church, and he asked this question. I thought it was beautiful. He said, what if it's possible to have complete confidence in your relationship with God even when you don't have complete understanding with the way he works? What if it's possible to have complete confidence in your relationship with God, even if you don't have a complete understanding in the way that he works? The Apostle Paul had that kind of understanding. And we have the benefit of his legacy. We get to read his encouragement and his words of wisdom in the Bible that he left for us. The Holy Spirit gave him the gift of apostleship, of of being a teacher, He was the chosen one um, to be the the messenger of Jesus' death and resurrection to the world. And he's in prison. And he might die for this. And he's not ashamed. And he's ready. 
He's ready and he's willing to die, not for a set of rules and a bunch of, a bunch of answers on a, on a questionnaire, but for a person for whom he has believed. And so how do we gain that kind of confidence? How do we get that kind of resolve to, to, to feel uh, close to God? And so here's the question, all right? Instead of interpreting God's character through your circumstances, you start interpreting your circumstances through God's character. Instead of looking at the circumstances of our lives through some sort of grid or some sort of metric or some sort of box we've created to like explain God away and put him in this little place, right? Instead of trying to argue our way into this, this you know, our minds want to like process religion that way. That's kind of what we, what we do. You know, when people say, uh, I, don't, I don't like organized religion. You know, I, what I think oftentimes they're really trying to say is they don't really like, uh, they're not really comfortable with you trying to like organize your thoughts and the process in a way that in the, it just doesn't make logical sense. And it sounds, sometimes it might sound arrogant. We try to explain our way into things. Have you ever had a Christian try to argue their way into your brain? Like ever had anyone, like I'm a Jesus follower, like I'm a Christian. And I've had other Christians try to argue me into some truth that they that they believe, and it just, it doesn't feel right. Uh, Pastor Craig Grishel, who leads uh, Life Church, said, said this, and um, stick with me because I will explain it. Um, but he said, truth is not taught. Truth is experienced. Truth is not taught. Truth is experienced. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that here as we keep going. Um, but this whole faith that we have is a relationship not a, a set of beliefs of, of this and that and, and a, uh, you know, a, a, a checklist, but it's a relationship. Learning truth, we do learn the truth, and that's a part of it. But to actually experience truth is a totally different story. So I don't know what I believe. I don't know why good things happen to bad people or bad things happen to good people why the tsunami came in, why the earthquake hit, but I know whom I have believed. Paul, in chains, in prison, doesn't, doesn't know what's going to happen, doesn't, can't tell the future, but he was able to preach and teach with confidence from a prison cell because he knew that God was with him. He knew that God was with him. So even when I don't know what God is doing, I can have my confidence in God because he's with me in this sickness. And I'm not ashamed because I know who he is and who I am in him. And you might be in a situation right now where your faith is being challenged like never before. Your relationship, your marriage might be on the rocks. Your finances might be in shambles. Your kids might not be talking to you but you can still have confidence in who God is. You know, wisdom comes as we are, as we grow and get older. And um, I, I, you know, I believe that I was um, the greatest parent alive. I knew everything about how to raise kids. 
I knew how to feed them and how to change them and how to diaper them um, until I had a child. And then I learned really quickly that uh, I don't know everything about kids. And then, and then I think uh, I've got a handle on this until I look in the rearview mirror and my, at my 14-year-old with the headphones on who haven't, hasn't talked to me in three days, and I realize I don't know everything about God, about being a parent. That wisdom um, is, is only as far as we can experience it. The truth about following God, the truth is not a set of facts. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am truth. He came in light of the cross. Jesus died and resurrected and came. So we have faith in this person of God. That is whom we have believed. You know the story of the blind man in John 9, 1 through 41? Um, it's this a blind man who was uh, blind from birth, and he meets Jesus. He has this encounter with Jesus on, uh, uh, on the road, and he walks into the synagogue, and he has sight. And the Jewish leaders are like, they're mesmerized. Like, isn't this this blind man? Like, why is he... Like, what happened to you, you know? And, and he's like, I, um, this Jesus, the, he, he put some mud, spit in some mud and put on my eyes, and now I can see. And they're like, oh, my gosh, well, why is he doing that? We know he's not supposed to do that because it's on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And he's healing, and he's obviously not a man of God. And so what, what, how did this happen? He goes, I don't know who it is. I don't know if he was a sinner. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. I, I don't... I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I can't explain it out to you. All I know is I once was blind, but now I can see. I just experienced Jesus. And I know your truth tells me that this is not how it's supposed to be, but I just met truth, and I can see now. And before that, when Jesus was with his disciples and they were walking, they were like, hey, who was born, uh, this man was born blind, so who sinned? Was it his parents? Like, who sinned that he would be born blind? Because that's what they knew in their head. Their system was like, the, you know, uh, this generational um, sin, that this was, this was how things work. And when Jesus came, he kind of blew all that up. He's like, this is not how it works. You think you know the facts. You think you have all of this. But I have come for a new way. I am truth. Truth is now in a person. See, knowledge takes our situations and tries to fit it into a faith that we can, like, explain God away. And we do that today, right? We think, oh, I didn't get this job, so I must have done something wrong to make God unhappy, so therefore I'm being punished. And that's not how it goes. That's just not the way that it is. And you can't argue with someone's experience like that blind man. You can't argue that out of it. It's the, I know this, but I experience this, and so truth is now different to me. I was thinking of the story of the, um, the wise men building his house upon the sand. You know that, that song? You want to sing it? Just kidding. You don't have to. Is that working yet? Is it still working? Okay. I'm going to read from Luke 6, uh, 46 through 49. It's the story that Jesus uh, tells here. And he says, um, 
as for, okay, so he's talking, um, and he gives us, he says, what, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. The story of two people building their house. And I think they're on the, I can imagine they're on the same street. I mean, they could have even been right next to each other. And, and it says that the houses were built, so they were complete. They had a roof and a chimney and a front porch. Like, these two men came. They had the skills. They had the knowledge to build the house. But if you notice in that, he says, what does the wise man do? He first goes to Jesus. And it says he hears what I say and then puts it into action. The second man did not seek Jesus first. The first man sought Jesus, took that foundation of truth in the relationship with Jesus, and then built his house on that. And so when the waves come, and this big wave comes, and there's, there's, no, uh, there's no water, there's a drought, he doesn't know why, but all he knows is his foundation is firm and strong because of a who and not a what. And when the torrents come through and it breaks the, the house down and, and it crumbles because we haven't built the foundation on the who, all we had was the what, and the what couldn't explain it away. So I built it just the same as the other one, but it didn't last. You know, if we try to build our faith on some sort of religious system, on a way that assumes you have all the answers, I guarantee you it will not last. It'll be fragile and it'll be weak. But when we come to Jesus, the source of our whom, then we can withstand anything. Truth has to be experienced. Now, I don't want you to miss this, and I'm about to, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. You know, we ask ourselves, how do we follow the model that Paul set for us? How do we take the wisdom that Paul imparts to Timothy, which he writes down for us to have in the word of God, how do we experience that ourselves? See, in the jail cell, when Paul was there, and he's uncertain about what is ahead of him, and he doesn't know what he's going to expect. Is he going to be released? Is he going to die in prison? We don't know. But he is able to point to something that already happened. He was able to point to a place in time of an event that, he, that had already occurred. And so I want us to read this together again. It's in verse 9. We started with this. And I want, to pay, I want you to pay attention here. He says, and he has saved us, already has saved us, and called us to a holy life, called us Paul and Timothy and you and me and we. So it's already happened. We're already saved and we're already called to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done. Not, not how great we are, not how bad we mess up, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was already given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. 
Before the beginning of time, your name was already on God's heart. But now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. The appearing, so Jesus, who lived, who died, who rose again and appeared. So he came. And what did he do when he died and rose again? He said, he already has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's already happened. Like, I don't know the future. I don't know if I'm going to beat this sickness. I don't know if I'm going to get out of this mess I'm in. I don't know how this situation is going to turn out, but I know this. Even if the very worst possible thing that I can imagine is going to happen, even if I lose my most valuable possessions that this world can offer, I will never lose the one thing that was already given me and already promised. And that is salvation through Jesus. The most valuable thing in my life, the most valuable possession I have isn't a thing, it is a person, and it is Jesus. And he loves you and called you by name and has come and has already saved you, has already done the work. You have to just accept it. Because we know that Jesus says, even if I die, Yet shall I live. We live in eternity with Jesus. Did you know that eternity is in session now? We are already in it. We are already in it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who conquered death. That is it. Our salvation is calling you to have faith and a trust in whom you have believed and not get hung up on a system of what we believe. Learning what we believe is very important, but having it grounded in the knowledge and the truth of Jesus in the whom is what will help us answer the what and get through all of this life together. Amen? Amen. It is okay to not know all, everything you believe. It's okay. You have permission. And I, I guarantee you, if you would look at those gaps where you're not quite sure, if you allow God to speak into it and to reveal his truth to you, I believe you will have a new and renewed faith and walk with Christ like never before. Like never before. Let's pray. Oh, good, good Father, we love you. And we come to you today uh, in awe of your goodness and your grace and your truth. We love you. Thank you for loving us and for calling us. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for the sending people before us to pave the way for us to follow you. Thank you for giving us a group of believers where we can um, come and ask questions and lean on one another and know that we do not have to go through this life alone. Thank you for promising to never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for surrounding us with your presence. And Lord, even when we don't know the answers, God, thank you for giving us the grace to seek them. 
Thank you for giving us your truth through your word and through your people and through your church. But most importantly, thank you for the truth that is Jesus, the good news that we can have access to you, that you can come to live and dwell in our hearts and in our lives. God, give us grace for others who step on our toes and who challenge us and push us um, to defend our faith, to defend you. God, give us your wisdom. Light the path and light the way for us. We love you. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to ask our um, ushers to come forward as we...